0: Thank you for the prayer about the nerves, (laughs) because that's definitely a factor. Let me see if I can find page one here. Um, I wanna say good morning, family. Uh, How's everyone doing? Um, Here we are on an early day in the lovely month of May, celebrating and recognizing mothers. What could be wrong? Don't answer that question because we know that there is a lot that could be long. I'm often reminded and speak of our former pastor, George Landis, of 50 years. Uh, He was many things. One was a joker. And sometimes you would say to him, how are you doing? Oh, he said, I was able to get up and take a little nourishment this morning. He was capable of a lot more than that. But if you can say that this morning... You got up, you're alive, you were hungry for some food and had some, we're already blessed. We've already been so blessed by the Lord. By way of honoring our mothers this morning, I wanted to start with the scripture in Exodus 20:12 that says, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Doesn't say anything about merit. (laughs) Uh, That is what kind of a mother you have or had, because we know there's a great variety of mothers and their roles. Did you have one of those idyllic mothers who lived up to all of your expectations or was your experience something different? Because bottom line, mothers, we're all human. But we are to honor them. We're told that in the scripture. So I'm going to start out by honoring my mother. Now, some of you have been here for many years. I I say that we came here in 1979. And in about 1980, Pastor George Landis asked me to speak on Mother's Day. Oh, I was shaking. In my boots. Didn't want to do it. Couldn't say no. 42 years later... The job was almost never taken from me. So uh, here I am. And so you've heard me honor my mother before, but I'm going to do it again. Sylve Andreessen. That Sylve is my middle name. I wouldn't tell anybody that for many years. Uh, Norwegian name. Um, but that was the name of my mom. And uh, she, she was born in Brooklyn. And she did come out here in about 19... Eight, 19 92. She moved out here from Brooklyn and she lived here for about six years in our rural county here. I mean, it's an adjustment. It's an adjustment. Um, And then went back to Brooklyn in, I think was 1997 and lived till 2003. Um, Born April 19th, 1920. Over the span of her lifetime, she lived through the Great Depression and World War II. And one of the outcomes of that life experience was that she could not abide waste. For example, she wanted my brothers and sisters and I to finish everything put on our plates, even if it included liver, tongue, or lutefisk. I think a a kidney was once on the menu. At any rate, uh, and then she insisted we do this for the starving people in China, I have joked many times in my life, saying that she started me on a lifelong pattern of eating too much. But the truth is, we ourselves are really responsible for what we eat when we get older. And sadly, there are still many people starving around the world. She cared a lot about that and gave money to organizations that promised to feed people by fighting hunger and poverty. And she also gave us better food than liver, tongue, and lutefisk many times. We didn't have to eat that every day. Um, and I love the fact that here at, at our Amwell Church, it is also a priority and tradition to give, local, to give to our local food bank, child hunger missions, and other groups who have similar goals. Um, I'm very happy about that. It's a tradition started by my mother and many others throughout history, really. Some of the challenges my mother faced included that she needed to be a financial provider in addition to a mother, a homemaker, a wife. She coped with mental illness within her family, within our family. Uh, There were substance abuse issues there. And she coped with the early death of my father at age 51, still being a mother to five children. Some of us had grown up by then, but It was a lot to deal with. Each of these matters were serious, life-altering situations which required action. Her response was to roll up her sleeves and get to work, all the while leaning on the help of her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that was obvious to us. We watched and listened to her while she lived her life through the turmoil, challenges, and that's what kids do. They watch us as mothers. And then when we grow up and become adults, we get to choose our paths. But I have to say that my mother definitely walked the walk and launched us as well with her many wonderful qualities. I'm grateful for the example she set. She was faithful, hardworking, a problem solver, giving, and honest almost to a fault. She earned her living as a as a nurse working in industrial settings such as the American Can Company, MetLife, and AT&T long lines. I don't think that company exists that way anymore. But she'd go to work at four o'clock, take the subway to Manhattan, and she used to t- say how she loved her dinner break and uh, another break through the evening because she never got that at home. She was one of those unsung heroes who borrowed strength from the Lord, believed in his promises, and never gave up. I honor her today, and I'm thankful for her. I'd like to switch now to um, the Bible lesson that I was led to this morning, and it's a, it's a traditional Christmas biblical account, but I think it's so pertinent to Mother's Day, and um, it's about Mary, the mother of Jesus. So in Luke 1, 26, 31, we read, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, She was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. How can we fathom the ways of God? So often we find ourselves utterly baffled by the way he handles things. Um, and by the way, how many of you have ever had a, an angel speak to you? There are probably people who would give an account of that. But the truth of the matter is that in Hebrews 13:2, we're told that sometimes when we encounter strangers, they could be angels unaware. So. Anyway, that was an experience um, that Mary had with Gabriel. And what he told her were four things. And I think we can uh, generalize here that he might have been speaking to us in these ways. First of all, he said to her to rejoice. If you're a Christian, doesn't mean you have to go around with your head down in the dumps, okay? We're to rejoice. We have a lot to rejoice about. Secondly, he told her she was highly favored. And I think that's that's how God feels about us, his children. We're his children. And he favors us. And sometimes a lot of people, they do not know their worth. They don't realize how meaningful their life is. And it's something to be reminded of. Fourthly, thirdly, sorry, the Lord is with you. Oh, do we need that? The Lord was with Mary and he is with us. And then she was blessed among women and we are blessed. We are blessed by the Lord. Um, I think that uh, I ask a lot of questions. I know that I've been told I ask a lot of questions. And uh, but one of the questions I have that probably won't get answered until I get to heaven is I just wonder, about that favor that Mary had, that she was chosen to carry Jesus. You know, because I I know that God loves us so much he sent the Son to die for us, but she was chosen. Anyway, that's a, an answer for another time. Moving on to uh, the next scripture I chose in Luke 1, 46 4, through 43, we read the Magnificat. It's this passage of scripture, is called the Magnificat, and... Um, It says, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm, He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent away empty. Mary said this after she had just seen her son crucified on Calvary's cross. Any mother who has witnessed never alone, never mind lost a child, witnessed the death of her child, has experienced one of the hardest experiences one can encounter in this life. But despite that, what does she say here? She magnifies, extols, lauds, praises the Lord. That had to be so hard, but she did that. Her spirit has rejoiced in God who she recognizes in this passage as her savior. Again, we are to rejoice, but boy, aren't there times in our lives when it's so hard to rejoice. And then she says God has held her lowly estate in high esteem. I love this truth. So often people seek greatness and they will do anything to achieve it. People may define greatness by having wealth, fame, power, or something else they desire. How about this question? How about if you were the king of the entire universe and had everything? Hard to imagine, but try. You could do anything. You never had to tolerate any insult or challenging word. You could just bask in all your glory all day long, but instead, you find a woman who is just the opposite of what we might consider worthy, accomplished, with a great education, good credentials, and she's the one picked to carry your only begotten son into the world, so that in an incredible, unbelievable expression of his love for fallen men and women, this baby can be sacrificed so that God's plan of redemption can be completed. I don't feel we get that. I don't fully get it to you. But part of the good news of the gospel is that I don't have to get it, neither do you. I just have to receive the gift of what he did, receive the salvation he offered through his son Jesus. That's a really, really important part of this plan God enacted. Your part to receive it by confessing your sin and asking for the forgiveness God freely offers. Mary goes on to mention numerous descriptions of God in this passage, which really inform us about the attributes the God many of us serve has. She uses adjectives like mighty, he's a doer of great things for her, he's holy, merciful, demonstrates his great strength, exalts the lowly, fills the hungry, and warns proud unbelievers. By the way, those attributes of God, we can claim. It's the God, he's our father. He extends them to us. Um, I just want to make one more point about this passage, though. Um, I'm no military expert. The closest I ever came to that was my experience in corrections. But I do believe that one of the goals in the military is to never underestimate Never underestimate your adversary. There's a military person right there. And it's a very big mistake made by unbelievers, the mighty, the proud, and the rich who think there's no consequences to thumbing your nose at God. They're free to have at it, he allows it. But um, God talks a little bit in this passage about what can happen to them. He'll take people off a throne, he'll scatter them, um, it's not a good position to be in. So we get a little frustrated these days by some of the things that we hear. But it's not over yet, you know? And if that's the path you choose to do that to God, we would urge you not to do that. The Bible does also. But anyway, don't underestimate your adversary. And to some people, their adversary is God. So, okay. Um I I asked Sherry, and thanks to Sherry, you have a copy in your bulletin this morning of the poem entitled, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle Is the Hand That Rules the World. By the way, I have to thank Sherry and a number of people who really helped this morning be part of this program. If you look at that, uh, let's see, the first phrase, I, I don't have, the first portion of it says, Blessings on the hand of women, angels guard its strength and grace. In the palace cottage hovel, oh, no matter where the place, wood that never storms assailed it, rainbows ever gently curled. For the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. This poem reminds me of the extreme vulnerability of children and the power, responsibility, and influence mothers can have over them. The tasks of motherhood are huge, and they often require help from many sources, the most important being the Lord. But um, it's an incredible um, coupling, And, and such a contrast with that last phrase, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. How does that happen? Of course, not every child raised by their mother becomes a world ruler, but every ruler who ever lived had a mother. And what did her life of mothering contribute to how the ruler rules? If I shared this quote with you, you, would you know who said it? Would you know the author? Ready? God bless my mother, all that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to her. It was made by a man you've heard of, a man who grew up in a poor family and whose education came by self-teaching, didn't go to school. He initially labored in lower-level type jobs in relatively obscure places. His life was filled with great personal loss and failure. But the last job he held before his death was President of the United States, beginning in 1860, His name was Abraham Lincoln, and he led this country through one of its most perilous eras, the Civil War. Many people think he was one of, if not the greatest president we ever had. And who does he credit for what he became? His beloved mother, her name was Nancy Yanks, and she died when he was nine years old. Children carry what they are taught and how they are treated into their adult lives and affect many other people in very important ways, such as their future family, the job situation they'll be in, their community. I don't care how good of a mathematician you are, you just can't calculate the value or put a price on what a mother does. can't do it. The goal of my message today has been to honor our mothers and our Father God who created them. I think we have a wonderful assortment of godly mothers right here in our Amwell church. I've looked up to you and known you and worked with you and worshiped with you for many years. And within this group, there is a category of women who mother special needs children. Children who need extra care, understanding, patience, resources, and protection. You go about your life working, sacrificing, praying, loving, and finding joy in that precious bundle of life that God gave to you. You all inspire us and humble us as we see how God works in the lives of people who call upon him. And I thank you for that example. Each of you are part of a band of unsung heroes, but God knows and sees And thus, endeth the lesson. In
1: 1922, a lady was born. Anybody guess who it is? If you were here today, she'd be the oldest mother. My mom is about to hit 100 in September. I know I don't look old enough to have a 100-year-old mother. But, but, uh, you know, uh, my mom's got a story as well. And it's a story of, uh, of having to lead a family of two boys with uh, no father present. And we grew up on the streets of Brooklyn and we got into a lot of trouble, my brother and I. And by the way, uh, I know my mother, Mom, I know you're listening. So, <laughs> and I know my brother's listening too, up in Michigan, she's in Michigan right now, awaiting a special birthday party that's gonna be co-joined with a memorial service for my cousin John D'Amato, who passed uh, from COVID uh, a year ago. So we're looking forward to going up to Michigan for that. My mom raised my brother Ron and I under very difficult circumstances. She had no education, formal education. She started working after my parents were divorced um, in a pearl factory. And she decided that she didn't want to string pearls the rest of her life. And as she looked out over the jobs that were available she saw that there was a job called typist. She had no idea what that was, but she inquired about it, and she found out that if she took a test, she could become a typist and wear a dress every day. If you know my mother, she likes to dress up, and a pearl, a pearl uh, stringing outfit was not for her. And so she, she, she bought a keyboard. I remember the paper keyboard she bought, bought from a stationery store. It had a typewriter keyboard on there. And she was busy working away because she knew that that there was going to be a test coming up, that if you passed the test, you'd be a secretary. Well, the day came. She felt comfortable with the paper keyboard. She sat down at the typewriter. She started typing. And back in those days, Remington made a typewriter with a carriage that swung to one side. My mother had no idea what to do with the typewriter once the carriage (laughs) swung to the other side. But as the Lord would have it, Another woman was taking the test, and she immediately slapped the little handle, and the carriage went back over. My mother got the job. Needless to say, she was very good at it. My mom could, could type. after years, she could type as fast as somebody could dictate. The boss would stand behind her and dictate a letter, and she'd finish just as he finished, and there were no errors. My mother's a very good speller. And she went on to become an executive secretary for Brooklyn Eye, Ear, and Nose Hospital Administrator. Those are the kinds of things God allowed her to to complete. Uh, My brother and I grew up under those difficult, impoverished circumstances, but we never felt that way. We always felt that uh, there was, with God's help, there was nothing we couldn't do. And I stand here with you this morning under those conditions saying, with God, nothing is impossible. So uh, happy birthday, Mom. Happy birthday, all moms. Happy Mother's Day, all moms. Let's pray. So Father, we thank you so much for the privilege that we have to stand before you. As our Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have established this spiritual relationship in parenthood. You have ensconced us in something called a family, that we could be part of your family and be called your children. What an honor to have the king of the universe, the creator of all life, the one that keeps it all going as our dad. And this morning, Father, we pray for these women gathered here and those who are watching and listening outside of the box, outside of the meeting house. Pray your blessing upon all of them. I pray God's blessing upon you moms and women. These are difficult times, but God be with you as you raise your children or as you stand firm as godly women in this day and age. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.